0: Learn more at marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from ACAST. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two Footed Podcast is brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five star ratings across the board. So go to LibertyShield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25, for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good boys and girls? Welcome to the show on Thursday the 8th of December. There's nothing going on today. It is a very quiet day in the footballing world. The World Cup is still on a little break. It'll be back tomorrow with two games. If you want to hear more about those two games, get listening to the World Cup Daily over on Anfield Index where we will be previewing those games, myself and Mr. Carl Matchett. For today, it's just me. You're stuck with me as always. And it's questions day. And we only have two questions, but they are decent questions. They are sizable questions that will take a bit of time. We've also got some chat about Manchester City and, of course, the gossip, because why not? So let's start off. The first question is from AMK2889. Yugoslavia was disintegrated in 1992, and since that has broken up into various other countries. Let's say Yugoslavia never broke up. Starting in 1992 to now, I want you to assemble your all-time Yugoslavia team from all the countries that broke off of what Yugoslavia used to be. I get that between 92 to now, there's a 30-year gap and not all the players would have played together. Feel free to make more than one team in that period. Would they have won a World Cup or Euros at any point in that time frame? So, what I have done, I've actually, I, I saw this one in advance thankfully enough and I was able to construct a team and I'm actually quite happy with this team I think this could be a very very good team I think this is the type of team that potentially could have gone on and won a major tournament during this time period now it is players largely from 2000 2005 on um, The reason for that is I didn't want to pick anybody who had played for Yugoslavia when it was all of the country. So the likes of Zvonimir Zvonimir Boban, I left him out. Davor Sukar, I left out. Mijatovic, I left out. Prozenecki, I left out basically all of the players that made up that great Yugoslav team in 1990. And anyone that played for them before it all fell apart. So what I've got, goalkeeper. It had to be a Slovenian because they've produced the two best goalkeepers, I think, ever from these two countries. These group of countries, rather. So Jan Oblak and Samir Handanovic. I've gone Oblak as my starting goalkeeper because I do think he is the better goalkeeper. I think his peak was better than Handanovic's peak. So he is in goal. Um, I've gone for a back three. I've gone Branislav Ivanovic. For me, Trent is the best right back the Premier League has ever seen because of what Trent can do on the ball. But before Trent, it was Ivanovic. Defensively, he was incredible at right-back. You rarely saw him get beaten. You rarely saw him have a bad game. He could turn up with a big goal at different times. Like If you needed a player to turn up in a big game, Branislav Ivanovic was often that player. Played for Chelsea for nine years, having been at Lokomotiv Moscow and a couple of clubs before that. Went on to Zenit St. Petersburg and had three good years there. 105 caps for Serbia. Just an outstanding servant at club and country level. Won everything. Russian Cup, Russian Leagues, Premier Leagues, FA Cups, League Cups, Champions League, Europa League. Part of good Serbia teams, part of really good underage Serbia teams. Um, under twenty one European Championship runner up in two thousand and four and again in two thousand and seven. So the fact that he was in that team for that long is is quite strange, but you know, the rules regarding under twenty one is, is always bizarre. Played once under the Serbia and Montenegro tag, and then obviously 104 times for Serbia as a standalone entity. I just don't see an argument against him. I think he was brilliant defensively, so I've gone with him. Uh, Next to him, in the middle of the back three, I've gone Nemanja Vidic. At one point, the best centre-back in the world, Solely responsible for people viewing Rio Ferdinand as some type of all-time great. Carried Ferdinand during most of their eight years together. Had been very good for Spartak Moscow. Before that, came to the Red Bull, uh, Red Star, Red Bull, Red Star Belgrade Academy. Left United a year too late. And by the time he got to Inter Milan, it was over. He'd run his race. Only made 56 appearances for his national team which is unusual. Now, he did play for Yugoslavia when they were still carrying on the name, but it wasn't, obviously, before the breakup. He played for Yugoslavia when they were clinging to that name in 2002. Um, Then, obviously, he became Serbia-Montenegro and then Serbia. But, yeah, only 56 caps, which is surprisingly low until you remember. A big chunk of that came when he was been managed by Alex Ferguson, who didn't let his players go and play international friendlies. For me, Vidic was just a, a tremendous defender. Now, everybody likes to point that the, you know, the footage of Fernando Torres making him look poor. Torres did that to most centre-backs. Find footage of anyone else doing it. The third centre-back, I wanted balance because I like balance. And this kid is very, very young. But I think Josco Gvardi all stands out as an absolute all-timer from these countries. I think he adds perfect balance. I think he adds playmaking. I think his ability to carry the ball and ping passes all over the pitch is outstanding. He won't be at Leipzig for much longer. He is destined for big things. Only 16 caps so far for Croatia, but he's already Croatia's best and most important defensive player. So I've gone with him. Uh, At right wing-back, I've gone for Dario Serna. I think he was the best right-back in the world for a couple of years, but was always overlooked because he was playing for Shakhtar Donetsk. Joined Shakhtar from Hajik Split spent 15 years in Ukraine and then had one final season with Cagliari. I Just an absolutely outstanding player. He's, I, he was incredible. He genuinely was incredible for a long, long time. And nobody watched him because nobody was watching Ukrainian football. That Shakhtar team he was part of, under Luchescu, with Mkhitaryan, Willian, that, that was an excellent team. Fernandinho was there. That was an excellent team that nobody really paid enough attention to. 134 caps for his national team. Again, a boatload of honours in his career. Won the Croatian League and Cup. Won the Ukrainian League one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Won a bunch of Ukrainian Cups and Super Cups. Won the UEFA Cup. Captained that team for a long time. Was in the Europa League team of the season in 15, 16, the Champions League team of the season in 10, 11. Just an outstanding player. An absolutely outstanding player. So, yeah, he is absolutely in as my right wing back. And my left wing back is going to be Ivan Perisic. Still playing today. One of the more versatile players in world football. One of the best big game players in the history of the game. Legendary figure for Croatia. 120 caps and and more to come. Just always turns up when he's needed. And again, he's had a very, very good career. Dortmund, Wolfsburg, Bayern, Inter and national level. I, I just don't think you can you can overlook Perisic as the left wing back. And I'm very happy with the balance of that because both of my wide centre backs can play full back, which is what you want in a back three. Vidic as a commanding leader is ideal. Cerna and Perisic are perfect as wing backs. In midfield, I've got Luka Modric. I think he's an obvious one. There's no real reason to go into him. Ballon d'Or winner, multiple Champions Leagues. Legend for the Croatian national team. Doesn't, doesn't really need to be talked about. Miralem Pjanic is another one I've got in midfield. I think he's probably the most talented player Bosnia have had. Um, 108 caps for Bosnia. A vital part of everything good that they've ever done got them to a World Cup, was very, very good in that World Cup as an individual. Has had a very good club career, well, until recent years. At Leon, Roma and Juve, he was very, very good. It obviously went sideways when he joined um, Barcelona. Then he went to Besiktas on loan, didn't really do great there, to be fair. And he's now playing in the UAE, but this is an all time team, or at a 20 year look at this region, and there's no way he's not in that team. So, Miralan Pjanic and Modric as sort of dual playmakers. Uh, I'm going to have to tag Dejan Stankovic to be my holding midfielder. Not the best use of him, admittedly, because he was very good going forward as well. But he could play anywhere in midfield, and with his intelligence, with his Willingness to track run runners, how hard he worked, how good he was, how well he timed things. No problem at all with him as the holding midfield player. Tremendous player who has had a good start to his career as a manager. Now, it's not going well at Sampdori, but Sampdori are a disaster. They were a disaster before he took over. Uh, but he won three straight league titles with Red Star Belgrade. Um, for his national team, he made 103 appearances And I think he's one of the best Serbian players ever. So, yeah, Dejan Stankovic, absolutely. He's also one of my favourite players ever. And part of the best midfield that I've seen, or my favourite midfield that I've seen, Stankovic, Simeone, Varane, Nedved. Tremendous player. So, yeah, delighted to have him. And then up front, uh, I've gone for Edin Zekko. I think it has to be Edin Zekko. As an all-round forward, I think he's the best any of these nations have produced. 126 caps for Bosnia, 64 goals. Obviously still going strong at club level as well. 36 years of age now, so he has slowed quite a bit, but still knows where the goal is. He's double figures in goals every single season bar one over the last 12 years. In fact, Sorry, every single season bar one since 07-08. 07-08 is his first season at Wolfsburg. He scores nine goals in 33 games. And since then, it's 36-29-17. That's the year he moved to City. 19-15-26. Uh, six, that's the one season. fourteen fifteen. He only played 32 games all season, and most of them were sub-appearances. He had clearly had enough of life at Manchester City. Went to Roma on loan, got 10. Not a great season, but pretty good. Then 39, 24, 14, 19, 13, 17 last year. He's already got nine this season. Um, he's never scored less than less than eight since oh six oh seven. Other than that one season where he got six for City. Just a, a tremendous forward player. Great link play, quality, quality player. And uh, beside him, I've gone for Josep Illich, uh, Ilicic rather, Josep Ilicic, who I think just had to be in. I just think he had to be in. An absolute joy to watch. He's been an incredible player in Syria with Palermo, with Fiorentina, with Atalanta. He... Is now back playing for Maribor in in Slovenia and it's great to see him back in his homeland playing and he seems happy again which is a big big part of what this is all about. Football should make you happy Um, but he went through a, a rough stage with mental health issues that began during the pandemic and just carried over and that's part of why he had to leave Atalanta um, where he had been just phenomenal. Like when they were at their very apex with him and Papu Gomez, they were maybe the most fun team that I've seen in the last 10 years. And a big part of that was him. Um, 79 caps for Slovenia, only 16 goals, but that's fine. Uh, Tremendous player has to be in. And then, Miroslav Blažević is the manager I'm going to go with. He was the Croatian manager during the great run 96, 98, etc. I just always liked him and he just always he just looks like a manager, you know. That's I want an old school manager so he's in. Um honorable mentions or the bench, uh, Handanović, Kolarov. He's a good left back. Suspect defensively. Very questionable centre-back, but I did like him, and he could absolutely rocket launch any kind of football anywhere. Uh, Brozovic and Kovacic, obviously very, very good. Uh, Mitrovic, the goal-scoring record for Serbia is unquestionable. Uh, Tadic, Dusan Tadic, I think he's warrants a a mention. Um, Hasan Salahamacic was a very good player back in his day. Mario Mandzukic has to get a mention, as does Ivan Rakitic. And Goran Pandev, who I felt bad leaving out because it meant that North Macedonia didn't get a player in the team. But Goran Pandev was very, very close. It came down to him or Ilicic. And, and I don't really mind which people would pick. If, if you think that um, Pandev was the better player, that's absolutely fine. But I've gone for Ilicic. Pandev's record with the national team, 122 caps. 38 goals led them to their first uh, major international appearance. You, you just you have to admire the career. Um, never quite was was really good for Lazio and at club level, never quite got back to that level. Bounced around a lot in his in his club career, but had that really good spell at Lazio, and after that, he never hit those heights again. Did well for Napoli, did very well for Genoa, but not to the same level. But he had gotten significantly older. Uh, he is now retired and uh, he was a tremendous player. So, yeah, Pandev or Ilyich was was the last kind of decision. And I went with Illich. So, Pandev, unfortunately, has to make do with a spot on the bench. Right. The second question then comes from Alex. And he wants, basically, wants me to rebuild. Leicester City. He said, question for the pod, Leicester City seemed like a perfect candidate for a Crystal Palace-style rebuild. Obviously, the size and spending power of Leicester is probably greater than Crystal Palace. If Leicester were to let all the players with expiring contracts leave and sell Madison and Deedee and potentially a few more senior squad players, what are some good players you think would be good replacements for the outgoing? You can also change the manager. So, um, full disclosure, we've already recorded me doing this, but it's a lot of ums and uh and dead air and it's not very good. So um I'm just gonna give you the results of what I've got basically. Um so players leaving on Bosman contract uh, on on free free transfers because their contracts are up. Sayunchu, Bertrand, Evans, Tielemans, Mendy. Priest, Chowdhury, and Aozy Perez. We're also gonna just gonna tell Alex Smithies to to move on down the road. We're going to sell Ricardo Pereira, Danny Ward, Yannick Vestergaard, <clears throat> James Madison, Wilfendidi, Ian Acho, and Amarty. And we're hoping that brings in about a hundred and five to a hundred and ten million for that group of players. Now, it should be more. But because most of their contracts end in 2024, because Rodgers has done such an appalling job at managing this squad, we're just having to move him on. Uh, Move move them all on at at lower prices than what we actually feel like they're worth. Uh, Which isn't ideal. And it's a little bit of a bummer to lose some really good players for below market value. But what can you do when your club has been managed by an idiot, which is what Rodgers is, to be clear? Um, you, You just have to kind of start over again. That's basically where you find yourself. So we're left with the bones of a squad, the very bare bones of a squad, and not a whole lot of money to go and replace these players. Which, you know, isn't ideal at all. If you're going to lose most of your squad, you'd ideally like to have a big chunk of money to go and spend. We don't have that because Brendan has made such an exceptional mess of managing this squad. So, what we're going to do. In goal, we've got our backup sorted in... Iverson, Iverson, Daniel, we're going to call him Iverson because I prefer it that way. Daniel Iverson, the young Dane, and Jakub Stolichik, the uh, young Polish keeper. They're number two and three. Number one is going to be Matvey Savonov or Safonov of Krasnodar, Russian international, eight caps already, out of contract in the summer. I think he's one of the most talented young keepers in the world. 23, he turns 24 in February. 6'4", super athletic, good positional sense. He's not elite with his feet, but I'm not looking for that. So he is the goalkeeper. James Justin is the starting right back. We need a squad player behind him. and We're going to go for Ronnie Edwards. Now, he is more of a centre-back in a right back but he's versatile enough to play both we're not looking for adventurous fullbacks here that's not the uh that's not the mission I'll, i'll unveil the manager at the end so we're looking for someone who is a young player that we can develop now that's where ronnie edwards comes in 19 years of age turns 20 in march super talented has already been linked to a number of premier league clubs peterborough holding out for a good fee, I think seven million and add-ons gets that deal done and dusted. So you'd be happy to get Ronnie Edwards for that kind of price, I think, over the long haul. Our right side centre back is going to be Woodface. We need depth behind him. We're going to go for Tosin from Fulham on a Bosman. I think he's a good defender. I think he's fallen. Out of favour at Fulham a little bit. But he's not long term 25. 6'5", big, in the air, big and strong, good in the air. Relatively quick. Can play in a three. So if you want to switch things up like that, it's absolutely fine. I think he's done very well at Fulham. But I think the time has come for him to move on. He's also decent on the ball, which I like. So he's going to come in. And we're going to have him as sort of our third centre-back, I suppose. Um, can play either side. The starting left-side centre-back we're going to go for is Anel Ahmed Hozic, the young Bosnian international playing at Sheffield United. I, I think he's really good. I think he's really promising. Um, he's 24 in March so he's he's a good age he's got plenty of talent to develop he's part of one of the best defences in the championship so we're going to go with him and we obviously need to find depth behind him as well because we've lost so much of the squad so the one i'm going to go for again i'm i'm looking at lower leagues I, when i first did this i was you know looking at players all over the place but I think it's important to try and bring through more and more English players and develop, especially given I was asked to do it in the way Palace did it, which was to shop in the Championship. We're going to go Jacob Greaves of Hull City. Just turned 22 in September. Left-footed centre-back, good on the ball. This is year three for him now at Hull. He originally came through, I think, uh, or made his breakthrough when he went on loan to Cheltenham. He's played League 2, League 1 in the championship. So he is going to have been battle-hardened. And I think 10 million gets him. So I'm happy to bring him in. Left-back, Luke Thomas is going to be the starter. And Castanier is going to be the backup. Um, I'm I'm very happy with that. I think that's a very strong defense. I think it gives me options to play a back-three and a back-four. You can mix and match. You've got versatility. Casting, you can play both sides. Justin can play both sides. Edwards can play right back or centre back. I think Greaves could fill in at left back if need be. And like I say, you can play a back three with any of Edwards, Justin, Faze, Tosin, Amit Hozic and Greaves as centre backs. So more than happy with that group of defenders. And that is a spend, I think, of about thirty-two million. Seven on Edwards, fifteen on Ahmed Hozic, and ten on Greaves. Into midfield wasn't ideal. Into midfield on the right, we're going four-two-three-one. On the right, we're going Alex Scott of. Bristol City um only 19 but i think he's got big potential likely ends up as more of a central midfielder long term but he's played predominantly on the right for bristol and that's where we're going to use him he's got he's had, he had a really good season last season um this season i haven't really paid much attention i have to be honest to bristol um 23 appearances already. He's a regular in the team at 19. And everything I've seen about him and from him just looks exactly what I want. So I'm going for him. To back him up, we're going for Reese Nelson of Arsenal. Now, Nelson might be the starter to begin with, but Scott is the long-term starter. Reese Nelson in on a free. Uh, Nelson can also cover left wing, which helps, because I've got Harvey Barnes starting left wing. And Mark Albrighton as the backup, and I'm not hugely keen on Mark Albrighton. So Nelson is basically the backup on both wings, and Albrighton's sort of the fourth option. Um, As my number 10, I'm going to go for Illeman and Jay. I'm going back to Sheffield United. I think he's one of the best, if not the best players in the championship, so I'm going to go for him. I think he's really, really good. Uh, to back him up, Lanzini on a free, I thought was a good one. I think that makes sense. Um, in central midfield, Dewsbury Hall will start. We've got Sumari. I kind of want him in a rotation role with somebody else. He's not playing every game. And the player I've gone for is Daniil from Palmeiras. Um I think 25 million gets him and I think he's ready to go straight away in the Premier League. So if I've got him and Sumari, and I can rotate the two of them, that's good. I've also got Jason Knight of Derby on a Bosman. So I've got Neo and Sumari for the more defensive role and Dewsbury Hall and Knight for the more, you know, ball playing role. So I'm happy with that. Happy with my three behind the striker. Um, and then I've gone Joe Pedro as my striker. 25 million from Watford. I don't think he's going to cost more than that because he is at a contract in 2024. So I'm going to go with him with then I've got DACA and Vardy as my depth. So in terms of what I've spent, that's 32, 52, 62, and 50. It's 112 million. We brought in roughly 105 to hundred and ten through sales. I'm sure the owners will fill the rest. But yeah, I'm very happy with that team. Stefanoff, Justin, Faze, Ahmed Hosich and Thomas, Danilo and Dewsbury Hall, Scott, Inj- Injai, uh Barnes and Joe Pedro with Iverson, Edwards, Tosin, Greaves, Castanier, Sumare Knight, Nelson, Lanzini, Albrighton, and Daka. And then obviously Jamie Vardy and um, the young Polish kid filling out the squad. I think that's 24 players. Um, so you might look to bring in one more somewhere, you know, a fifth centre-back, but we have plenty. A, another young fullback from the academy or something. There's there's always young players coming out of Leicester's academy uh, which is what makes it so promising for them that they can quickly turn things around. I mean if we look at notable players in their academy, Lewis Brunt perhaps um, Bailey Spencer Adams, Casey McAteer, Will Alves Sammy Braybook can some of these take the step up and become part of the first team picture, the hope would be that at least a couple of them can. And given they're under 21, they don't count towards the actual numbers. You can actually have all of them involved if need be. But yeah, I, I'm happy with that. I think I think that's quite good. And I think it's turned out better saying it around the second time than the first time. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Manchester City. It's gossip. And then we're done. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, uh, Manchester City, the defending champions. They've won it in back-to-back years. They're going for three in a row. Currently sits second in the Premier League behind Arsenal. They are five points off top. They've been, by their own standards, quite disappointing. When we consider the results that they've had, they... Beat West Ham on the opening day, as expected. They walloped Bournemouth. They drew 3-3 away to Newcastle. That was kind of the first warning sign that this City team wasn't as strong as it has been. Newcastle should have had that game wrapped up. City scored first, and then Newcastle blew them away. Almiron scored, Wilson scored, and Trippier scored. Kevin De Bruyne single-handedly dragged that team back into that game. Haaland scored and Bernardo Silva scored and they equalized and that was it. It ended 3-3. They beat Forest, sorry, they beat Crystal Palace, they hammered Forest. They drew with Villa which again was another warning sign. They battered Villa until they scored and then it all went a bit weird. Then they beat Wolves. Then they beat United, then they beat Southampton, then they lost away to an out of form Liverpool team. Now, Liverpool got up for the game and played very well, but still. Then they played Brighton at home and for large parts of the game got outplayed. Then they played Leicester and weren't good. Then they played Fulham and weren't at all good. And Fulham should have gotten something from that game. It was 1-1 and City were down to 10 men. Fulham should have gotten something from that game. But credit to City, they kept going and Erling Haaland got a late goal. And then they lost two one at home to Brighton. Uh to Brentford, rather. Ivan Tony scored, then Foden equalised, and then City hammered and hammered and hammered at the door. But Brentford caught them on the counter and almost caught them again and almost won the game three one. So you're looking at five or six really shaky performances this season by City. Now, they strolled through the Champions League group. They beat Sevilla, beat Dortmund, beat Copenhagen, then drew at Copenhagen and Dortmund, and then beat Sevilla again. Um, They'll play Red Bull, Leipzig in the knockout phase. They eased past Chelsea's reserves with their reserves largely in the EFL Cup, and they'll play Liverpool on the 22nd of December. They did lose the Community Shield to Liverpool. In the summer, they went out, and they did quite a lot, in fact, They brought in Erling Haaland, which was obviously a a big deal, but as it turns out, a bigger deal than we thought because of the sheer ridiculous nature of the wages that they're paying him. Um, They brought in Stefan Ortega on a free from Armenia Belfield because Pep wasn't happy with the backup goalkeeper situation. They went and spent fairly big money on Calvin Phillips to come in and be a backup to Rodri. They brought in Sergio Gomez from Anderlecht, promising young left-back. And then they had a couple of injuries at centre-back, short-term injuries, but went and bought Manuel Akanji from Borussia Dortmund. They did obviously sell a number of players. Uh, notable players that left, Gavin Busuna went to Southampton. Pedro Poro left on a permanent contract to go to Sporting. Now, What's funny here is these are all included in City in city spend, but those players weren't contracted to City. They were contracted to City Football Group, not Manchester City themselves. Um, Gabriel Jesus, first team player. Romeo Lavia has gone to Southampton. Raheem Sterling, first team player. Zinchenko, first team player. Samuel Adozi also said Hampton and Juan Larios said Hampton. But they'll claim because of how they cook their books, they'll claim uh a net profit for the summer. But in terms of the actual first team, they spent a bit of money. City Football Group is a different entity to Manchester City. And when it suits them, the accounts are separate. But when it also suits them, the accounts are just as one. So I don't know. Either way, it was a busy summer for City, but a summer in which you felt they addressed most of their needs. They could have done with buying a backup right-back. And I think if you look at this squad, a backup right-back is the real need. So Canseo's the starting left-back. Gomez is his backup. Laporte is the starting left-side centre-back. Aki is his backup. Diaz is the starting right-side centre-back. Stones is his backup. Walker is the starting right back, but he is declining and he is injury prone now. I think they need to look for a long-term fixture at right back. I don't understand how it was in Pedro Poro, but maybe he's not good enough defensively and that might be the logic behind it. I think they need to look to bring in a future starting right back. In midfield, you've got... Rodri and you've got um, Calvin Phillips for the holding role. You've got De Bruyne, Bernardo and Gundogan as your eights. So you could do it one more there. Although, I think that's the role for Cole Palmer long term is as an eight. Um, Grealish and Foden are sort of the left wing options. And I guess Marez and Bernardo, when he plays there, are the right-wing options. So a, a future starting right-winger would be of Neil as well. And then obviously Haaland and Alvarez are the strikers. So I, I would say a backup right-back who who's a future starter and a right-winger, a starting right-winger ideally, because I don't think Mares is consistent enough, I think Foden's much better on the left. I think Bernardo's much better as an eight. But I also think that Bernardo and De Bruyne both play better as eights when Gundogan is the other eight than they do with each other. So maybe you just say Bernardo's the right-sided, the right-winger now. Mares is his backup. And you go and you find another eight. With Gundogan leaving in the summer, you're probably going to need at least 1-8, if not 2. They're strongly linked to Jude Bellingham, obviously, uh, and a couple of others. But yeah, I would say, do you know what? I'd actually just say put Bernardo right wing. Get yourself a, a depth 8. If Parmer's the KDB backup, find a Gundogan backup. But maybe a Gundogan backup who can become the future starter. That and a right back. That's what I think they should look to do in January. They'll always have the money to do it as well. And and maybe, look, they might look at it and think, well, we've got James McAtee, who they're very high on, and he's going to be one of our future midfield options. Maybe they look at Tommy Doyle the same, though he hasn't really been given many opportunities. There's still a lot of talent there. Maybe there's others that they've got very high hopes for in that midfield area. But I would say a a, a a depth eight. Throw all the money at trying to keep um, Gundogan for at least another two years. And a, a right back who can succeed Kyle Walker. I expect them to win the league. I think they'll win it by 10 plus points. They've had a little wobble. I think they'll sort it out. They still need to figure out how to play with Haaland because at the moment, if he doesn't score goals, he doesn't do anything. He's largely useless if he's not scoring goals. So it is 10 players plus one. It's not a team of 11 at the moment. And that's on him as well. He needs to become, you know, better off the ball, needs to learn to integrate himself into the team. Because the problem is if if they change too much towards solely focusing on supplying him when he's injured sure they'll be able to revert back to the old way but there might just be the odd game or two where it takes them out of their rhythm and they don't perform at the level that we know that they're capable of but I expect them to win the Premier League this season they haven't been nearly as good as you would have, as they would have hoped to date but I expect them to win the league Gossip PSV and Netherlands winger Cody Gakbo said he would think about joining Manchester United, but as a no contact from the Premier League club. The Football Association want England manager Gareth Southgate to stay in the post until Euro 2024, regardless of the result against France. They did give him a new contract during the last Euros that took him to 2024, so they obviously want to see him honour that contract. England midfielders... England midfielder Jude Bellingham's management have told Real Madrid that Liverpool are leading the race to sign him. Uh, that's from Christian Falk, who's an enormous spoof and no one should really listen to. But it may well be true. He will just have heard it second-hand, though. Or third-hand. Third-hand. Uh, Tottenham and Liverpool are interested in Sophie and Amrabat. I'd be okay with that one. Um, Arsenal could be willing to compete with Barcelona, for Gabriel Martinelli should they decide to sell Raphael Leao, They're not going to sell Raphael Leao. Arsenal may have to postpone their planned move for Michalo Mudrik after the injury to Gabriel Jesus. Well, yeah, they'll have to maybe buy a striker. Marseille want to sign Will Zaha when his contract expires in 2023. Bayern Munich are set to offer Jamal Musiala a new deal and they should do that every single year just to make sure they keep him. France midfielder Adrian Rabio said he would like to play in the Premier League. The former Manchester United Target's contract at Juventus ends in 2023. He is playing significantly better at this World Cup than he has done in the last couple of years. Real Madrid are willing to pay 62 million to Palmeiras for 16 year old Ford Endrick, who can't actually join until 2024. Manager Eddie Howe says financial fair play may limit Newcastle spending in the January transfer window. Glad to see they finally realised they can't just continue to spend the way they were. Roma are in advance talks to sign Memphis Depay. I think that would be a good deal. West Ham will sign a new striker in the January transfer window. Hopefully it's somebody that can play alongside both Scamacca and Antonio. Um... Atletico Madrid are willing to listen to offers for Joao Felix. Fair enough. Arsenal Academy boss Per Mertesacker could be hired by the German Football Association to be the new sporting director. That's been linked for a while, actually. Arsenal, Barcelona and PSG are also interested in Palmeiras and Brazil winger Estevao. Yeah, this kid is meant to be the next big, big thing after Hendrik. He's only 15. And there's zero chance Palmeiras are going to allow him to leave until they see what he's actually capable of because they will rinse everybody on the price of that kid like they have done with Endrick. I mean, Palmeiras put a fortune into their academy a few years back and it's really paying dividends. And that's it. That's me for today. Thank you as always for listening. I shall see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.